All right, take your Bible first, uh, Philippians chapter 1. Let's read a little bit this morning. I want to preach to you about gospel conversation, gospel conversation. I hope you understand that in the Bible, the word conversation is not relating to what you're talking about, although it can. It's talking about the way that you walk. Your conversation is your lifestyle. It's the way that you live. So with that in mind, Philippians chapter 1, and let's look in verse 15. The Bible said, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Now, just as a side note, because it's there, I've got to make a comment on it. I mean, the Scripture just reach out and grab you and say, Hey, say something about me. So I'm going to say something about that this morning. I hope you understand that it's very possible to do the right thing with the wrong attitude. Very possible to preach the gospel, very possible to pray, very possible to read your Bible, very possible to be busy for the Lord Jesus Christ and not be right. Just because you're reading your Bible, just because you're praying, just because you're doing all the religious stuff that you should be doing, and you should be doing it. Amen. You should be doing it. But just because you're doing that doesn't mean you're right. doesn't mean you're doing it with the right attitude. Paul said there's some folks, they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching Christ, but they're doing it of envy and strife. And he said then there are some that are doing it of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely. And that will destroy a lot of the ability to get the gospel across in a sincere manner. Just contentious about stuff. Uh, contend earnestly for the faith. Be contentious about that. But, hey, man, preach the gospel. Yeah. Amen. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And therein do I rejoice, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Lord Jesus, of the, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You know, the interesting thing is that some Christians, the only way that they could glorify the Lord is if God killed them. That's an unfortunate place to be in, folks. I hope there's not a soul in here this morning that that's way, that, that, that it's that way for you, I should say. I hope the only way that God, I hope it's not that the only way God could get glory out of your life is if he killed you. He had to take you on home. Well, I got to get this guy out of the way. He sure is making a mess out of things. You say, I don't believe the Lord would do that. Then what's First John talking about when he says there is a sin unto death? Oh, well, that's talking about somebody losing their salvation. No, it ain't. It's talking about somebody sinning and the Lord killing them. That's why it's called a sin unto death. Amen. Amen. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. There's how you live your life. There's how you bring glory to, to the Lord in your, in your life. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh and this is the fruit, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. I don't know what I want is what he's saying. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. You know what Paul's saying there? He says, I've got, he said, it's more needful for me to stay here for your benefit. That's, that's a really egotistical statement if he's not right. You know what he's saying in essence? You need me. Can you say that about this church? 
Can you look at, can you as a member of People's Baptist Church look around at this church and say, this church needs me? Paul said it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Mm, that's a big statement. He said, nevertheless, dividing the flesh is more needful for you and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. <clears throat> Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. <clears throat> Lord, we pray, God, that you'd bless the reading of your word this morning, the text, Lord, that's been laid out before us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. God, I pray that you'd give me the wisdom and the understanding to preach as I ought. God, help me to say everything that needs to be said, nothing more, nothing less. I pray that you'd help these, God, to hear. God, I pray that you'd do the work, Lord, that, that only you can do. I pray, God, that you'd help me preach the truth, truth and trust the Holy Spirit to do that strange work that he does. And God, help us, Lord, I pray, speak to hearts. God, folks that are here, folks that may not be here but will be listening in this morning, God, stir their hearts, Lord, we pray this morning. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want to preach to you, like I said, about gospel conversation, gospel conversation. Paul says in verse 27, he said, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He said, I would that you would live in a way that is becoming of the gospel. He said, I would that you live in a way that's fitting, that's suitable, that's belonging to the character of the gospel. He said, when somebody looks at your life, he said, I hope that your conversation, your conversation, I hope they can look at your life and say, the gospel. Let me ask you this morning, somebody looked at your life this morning as, as you are right now. You say, I'm saved. That's wonderful. That's your standing. But what about your state? What about the way that you're living right now? Somebody looked at your life, what would they know you by? Hunting dogs? Fishing poles? I mean, what would they know you by? Some of you ladies got great talent in sewing, making all these masks that you made. Is that what folks know you by? Would they know you by a gossiping tongue? Man, you can't tell that person nothing, man. As soon as you tell them, it's going to make its way out somewhere. Tell us somebody, telegraph. Hmm? Is that how you know? Paul said, I hope, I hope that when I come down there to Philippi again here in the future, he said, I hope... If I make it down there or if I don't make it down there, he said, I hope the word that I get back is that you're living a life that's suitable, that's belonging to the character of the gospel. Hey, you've heard about those folks down there, that church at Philippi? Buddy, though, that is a soul winning church. That is a gospel preaching church. That is a, that is a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ kind of church. What kind of testimony has this church got in town? Hmm? What kind of testimony? You know what your question should be as a member of People's Baptist Church? And I know for some of you, this ain't your question, never has been. It ain't, your concern ain't never been getting the gospel out to the lost and dying world. You say, how do you know that? Because you ain't done nothing to do it. 
You don't want to contribute to missions? Don't die up on me now. I'm just telling you the way it is. I've been here long enough. I know what I'm talking about. You got very little concern about the, getting the gospel out. You ain't got no concern about missions. You don't pass out no tracts. You don't ever open up your mouth about the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and what God done for you. You ain't got no concern about that. Mm -hmm. Your conversation ain't as it becometh the gospel. Your conversation's about your car and about your house and about the food that you're going to stuff down in your overbloated gut. Hey, man, you like that or you lump it, that's a God's honest truth. All you're concerned about is you, 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 you. How can I live a more comfortable life? You ain't got none of your eyes on eternity. You ain't got no concern about what God's going to talk to you about after you die and leave this whole rotten world. Your conversation ain't becometh the gospel. It's becoming everything else. You know what your question should be as a member of People's Baptist Church? You know what my question should be as the pastor of People's Baptist Church? How can we get the gospel out? How can we get the gospel to this lost and dying world? Hey, I ain't looking forward to going to no African continent. I, I ain't got no interest in going to Australia with all them wildfires. I ain't got no interest in going down there. I ain't got no interest in going to California. You know what? I gladly give to a missionary to take the gospel to those places. Amen. Absolutely. Of course, if you go to California, you might need to just go ahead and get a job. But nonetheless, I'll, I'll have a little empathy with you on that. Hey, hey, get the gospel out. Get the gospel out. Hey, what are you doing to get the gospel out in Folkestone? And I grant you, you're up against a great challenge. In Folkestone, everybody's saved. You know what I recommend you do? Get out of Folkestone. Just go somewhere where everybody ain't saved. I'm not talking about moving. How about you just when you go down to Jacksonville to go down to Costco or Sam's Club up in Brunswick, wherever you go, how about you just stop and talk to people? Some fellow stopped by here yesterday and he was looking at the damage. He said, I saw this stuff on Facebook. I said, well, that's great. I said, you saved? Oh yeah, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I said, that's great. You saved? I said, Pentecostals got to be saved just like Baptists, which might be what's wrong with some Baptists. Just not saved. You need to get saved. Get saved. Get saved, man. Listen, if God did something so wonderful for you, why does it not bubble over every once in a while? Amen. Amen. Sometimes you got to prime the pump. Just do it because you don't feel like it. You'll start feeling it. Amen. How can we get the gospel to the lost? How? How? Here's another question you should be asking yourself. How can I build up my brothers and sisters in Christ down at the church house in the gospel? Hey, I'm trying to get the gospel out. How can I encourage Brother Spike to get the gospel out? Well, i tell you one thing you could do to do that. Show up. It's going to be real hard to get people encouraged. What y'all so quiet for this morning? Some of, some of you folks are uh, right with me, but some of you look like you're looking at a calf, you're like a calf looking at a new gate. What's wrong with you? I ain't got the problem. You got the problem. Listen, it's going to be real hard to encourage you brothers and sisters in Christ to take the gospel out to a lost and dying world when you don't even show up. Your boss man wouldn't put up with that foolishness. Why should these folks put up with it? I know, you made a commitment to something. I just, I, we, we taught our, we're teaching our kids. We just got, you know, you start something, you got to finish it. What about here? You started here. Finish, finish, finish well, finish well. I got off to a rough start. Okay, clean it up and finish well. Finish well. How can we build up the saints in the gospel? I'm not trying to build you up in pizza parties. I'm not going to hide Jesus behind no cotton-picking bounce house. 
Amen. It's the gospel, man. It's the gospel. That's what we exist for. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Church has got away from this stuff. We got away from the gospel. What's wrong with us? What's wrong? What's wrong with the gospel? The church is the vehicle of the gospel. You as an individual, but you collectively also. You're the vehicle of the gospel. And let me tell you something. If it, it, that goes, that connects both ways. If you ain't doing nothing as an individual to get the gospel out, it's not going to be very much expected of you to do it collectively. But if you ain't doing nothing collectively, why would we wonder that you ain't doing nothing individually? It goes both ways. It's a double-edged sword. Hey, how can I build up my brother in the gospel? Can I ask you something this morning? What change has the gospel made in your life? Has it made a change? Has the gospel made a change in your life? Did it dry you out from your old drunkenness? Did it get you off the dope and the huff and the airplane gasoline? Did it get you off a huff and the Elmer's glue? Huh? Did the gospel make a change? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a, he's a new creature. What a marvel. What a marvel the gospel will work in a man's life. And you know what? It doesn't just work that the day that you get saved. It keeps working day after day after day. Keeps working. Well, let me ask you something. What are you doing to contribute to that process in somebody else's life? Hey, the gospel was cut loose in my brother Spike's heart. I'm trying to find a way to enable that process to keep working as it goes. What am I doing? What am I doing? How can we build up the saints in the gospel? How can the gospel be more greatly manifested in us? I'm not talking about lifestyle evangelism per se. Open your mouth. That's evangelism. But I tell you, it ain't going to do you a whole lot of good to open your mouth and talk about the gospel when you're a jerk. Yeah, man, you like that or you lump it, but that's a God's honest truth. Nobody's going to give you the time of day if you don't know how to be a person, if you don't know how to be polite, if you don't know how to be kind. If you've got something negative and something just mean to say all the time, why is anybody going to listen to you talk about how wonderful and lovely the Lord Jesus is? I just, I just don't understand why all them folks down there at the church are so narrow-minded and just blah, 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 blah. Oh, but let me tell you about Jesus Christ. You ain't going to do that. Are you? I know you ain't going to do that. What about your gospel conversation? Do people identify you with the gospel? What do they identify you with? Hmm? You know, he says here, he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. He said, I'm hoping that you as a church... That church down there, that local assembly down there at Philippi, he said, I'm hoping you stand fast in one spirit. A lot of churches are trying to do that. You know what they're trying to do that on the grounds of? Anything but the gospel. Let me tell you, People's Baptist Church, this is the congregation I'm preaching to this morning. Let me just tell you, the thing that's going to hold this church together is not a bunch of activities. It's getting the gospel out. The, church that, the thing that's going to hold this church together is, hey, how much money can we get out to missionaries to get them to take the gospel out? And listen, if you ain't got no concern about getting the gospel out in Folkestone or down there in Camden County, if you ain't got no business getting the gospel out there to Nassau County, which they needed them bunch of queer lovers down there in Fernandina. Amen. Amen. That's God's on true. You like that or you lump it, but that's true. They need the gospel. They need the gospel. That's what they need. 
God bless you. You take it down there. But listen, if you ain't concerned about these places around here getting the gospel, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me you're convinced about getting the gospel to a bunch of missionaries for them to do your job for you. Some of you ladies, man, you talk about everything and everybody other than Jesus Christ. I won't live that way. I have before. I don't want to. I don't want to live that way. Amen. 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 Shut your mouth and open your mouth. Shut up talking about others and start talking about Jesus. Best thing you'd be talking about all day. Hey, when you go down to your house today, just bring up a conversation about the lovely Lamb of God and what He did for you. Amen. Quit talking about all those people down there at the church house. Listen, none of you are mavericks sitting in here. None of you are lone wolves. We're part of a church. We're part of a church. You know what he told the church in Acts chapter 1? He's talking to them apostles. He said, listen, he said, you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost has come upon you folks. You're saved. You got the Holy Ghost. You know where the hindrance might be? You know where the hindrance might be in your life? Why you ain't got no power? You ain't giving him no control. That's right. You got as much of the Holy Ghost sitting in your bosom this morning as you ever going to get. But that matter of whether or not he's got control of you, that's a different matter. That's right. Some of you just obstinate. You're just hard-headed. I ain't going to let God tell me what to do. And that's manifested because you ain't going to let no preacher tell you what to do, whether it's me or any other preacher. You're just hard-headed. Of course, it don't help when you don't come. Oh, did I say that already? That's because I meant to. It don't help when you, when, you don't, when you don't come. Well, I'm just worried about this virus. Really? You've been staying out of work that long? Don't kid me, man. Listen, you ain't concerned about catching the virus down at the workplace, and you ain't, convinced, you ain't concerned about catching the virus down there at wherever you go and shop, and yet you're concerned about catching it down here at God's house? I don't believe it. I, I just, I don't believe it. Well, it's so. I don't care. I don't believe it. You got a genuine concern this morning about the virus that compels you to stay home? Stay home. But I'm telling you, some of you need, you, you should have been in church. You should be in church. You listen at home, you dirty, rotten dog. You better be in church. Amen. Amen. I'm beginning to take some of it personal, to be quite honest with you. Let me just park here for a second. I'm not going to say this in an irritated manner, but I'm going to just tell you how, how I see the thing. I'm going, I take it somewhat personal. I think some folks have got something against me. I'm not preaching about me this morning. I'm just, just, I'm just being honest. I'm not bragging. I'm just being honest. <laughs> uh, I think some folks have got something against Nathan Irie. Hey, listen, if you've got something against Nathan Irie, okay, that's fine. But how about you get over it and find a church where you ain't got nothing against the pastor? If you can't come to church here, go to church somewhere. You turn the volume up too loud. You got your TV rolling louder than that. Shut your mouth. You old coward, you. I'll tell you what the problem is. You ain't afraid of no virus. You're afraid of God. Virus will keep you, won't keep you away from your workplace, and a virus won't keep you away from Lowe's and Home Depot and Harvey's and Publix, but it'll keep you away from the church house. You... Twice plucked up, dead by the roots, you plucked, puffed up, bloated hog, you. You full of hell. You want me to repeat all that in Greek? 
That, that's in Philippians chapter 1. You have to understand the original Hebrew to, to get all of that out of there. That's right. I, I didn't study for all the years that I've studied for nothing. I tried to say that with a straight face. I tried my hardest, but I couldn't because I ain't studied Greek and Hebrew. I'm trying my best to get through with English. That's right, man. That's right. What's the matter with you? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I believe is wrong with some folks. You can't stand a 32-year-old standing up here telling you what you should be doing when it comes to the, to the truth in, 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 in regards to the gospel. You say, well, you're a little bit immature. I'll grant you that. But this book ain't immature. Hey, why is it, why is it that you can't look past? And I'm not trying. I preached this morning. I preached this morning about, hey, kids, you're going to have to learn to be a little forgiven with your parents because they're people. That does, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse for your parents to be immature. But that's reality. It's not an excuse for me to be immature as a pastor. Doing my best to grow up. I'm doing my best to come along. But I tell you, if that's going to keep you out of the church, all that means is you're a puffed up whiny baby. Amen. You got to have somebody come behind you and change your little dirty doo-doo diapers. Amen. That's right. Grow up. Grow up, you little whiny baby, you little whining shot, you. Amen. Have I gotten insulting enough to get your attention this morning? There's more to it. Listen, there is more to it than just your little feelings. We're in a fight. Do you want to go to California this morning and see what kind of fight we're in? They're shut, trying to shut churches down, not let them go to the house of God and worship. You don't even have to go to the West Coast. Just drive up a couple of states and get in North Carolina. Yes, sir. You like that or you lump it. You had a fight this morning. And the fight is, is that you got to get the gospel out. And you just laid down your arms. You laid down your arms. When all this virus stuff started, when all this virus started, let me back up a little second. Let me back up a little second. You listen to me, you folks here in People's Baptist Church, and you jaybirds that stayed at home and won't come to church because you're just too sorry. You listen here. I called a revival before this virus stuff started, and one of the messages that I preached was in John chapter 15. I talked about the branches in the vine, and I talked about if you wasn't producing no fruit, the husband would, would come by and clip you out. And then I took you over there to Ephesians chapter 4 and said, what will take you out is the wind. You know what wind's a type of in the Bible? It's a type of the spirit. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they're life. Well, what words he's talking about? Talking about his words. You know what that is? That's doctrine. And I told you, I said, some of you folks, you're not producing any fruit, and what's going to happen is God's going to send a doctrine by to roll you right out of church. Look at where we're at. Some folks have rolled right out of the church. It wasn't, I think, one week later, and all that stuff exploded with that virus. Coincidence. Hogwash. You want me to stand up here and not get upset about the thing? I'm mad. Something's got you around the throat, and I can't figure out what it is. I just come to the conclusion that you just don't like me. And you know what? I really can. Honest to goodness, I can handle that. Don't get out of church over the thing. That's stupid. I don't think that your aversion, I don't think that your aversion is necessarily to Brother Nathan. I think your aversion somewhere along the lines is to God and his book and his church. You don't like God. Amen. Well, 
That all came out of that much of notes. Y'all in for it, because I got two pages, man. Well, page and a half. That's, that's true. I'm, I'm being a little facetious there and kidding with you, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, something's wrong. Something wrong with folks when they're more concerned about getting sick down at the church house than they are getting sick somewhere else. Listen, listen. If, if you was, listen, if you laid out of church this morning, if you at home this morning concerned over this virus thing, okay, I'll grant you, I, I, I'll give you a little bit of leeway. My question is, are you that concerned about going to work and are you that concerned about going down to any other place that you go? And if the answer to that is no, all I can stand to reason is that there's something about church that you're looking for an excuse to lay out over. And you got it right now. And I ain't going to let you rest over the thing so long as you're a member of the People's Baptist Church. I'm going to say something to you about it. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. Amen. Amen. You should make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Try and get you to commit to spread the gospel somewhere. And you can't even get you to commit to show up to a place on three times a week. What's the matter with you? I want to teach a Sunday school class. I want to lead visitation. I want to do this. I want to do that. You ain't leading nothing. You ain't leading in silent prayer. You can't come. Brother Nathan, I think you need to be a little more gentle. I think you need to get your feathers ruffled. Grow up. Grow up. Amen. Well, let's talk about this gospel conversation this morning. Let me say, first of all, verse 29, he said, For unto you it's given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. You know what gospel conversation is? It's suffering. It's suffering. Some of you folks sitting around watching the news and watching what's going on around these countries, or in these states, I said these countries, the things that are taking place in the United States right now, I think some of you folks never dreamed we'd ever see it. And I'll be honest, I, I never even gave it a second thought that we'd ever come to a place to where churches have got to fight to keep their doors open, fight the federal government, fight the state government to keep their doors open. Never dreamed we'd come to that place. You know what? This is the lot of Christians. That's what we do. And let me tell you something. I, I said something to Brother Chris the other day, and buddy, he said something back to me, and boy, the Lord took it and just said, <laughs> I was talking about how all these churches got up there in North Carolina, and uh, they filed a lawsuit against the governor. Don't say amen. Listen to me. They filed a lawsuit against the governor. You know how much it cost to file that lawsuit? $50,000. You know who did that? Christian Law Association. And maybe it costs that much to get into the legal system. I don't know. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely absurd. But anyways, I told that to Brother Chris, and Brother Chris said, he said, I don't think they should do that. He said, I think they should just go to church. I said, mm, that is right. You say, well, the, the governor and his goons are going to show up and give everybody tickets. Pay them and come back the next Sunday. That's what the three Hebrew boys did. Three Hebrew boys said, we ain't bowing to you thing." Nebuchadnezzar turned over there to his goons and said, heat it up seven times hotter. They said, we still ain't bowing. You know what? When them fellows came and grabbed them boys and wrapped them up in them ropes and got ready to throw them in, you don't read where them boys was fighting. They said, hey, we trust the Lord in this matter. 
You know what? You know why partly? Why partly we're going to have prayer meeting in here? And I don't, listen, I don't know if you're going to come. I encourage you to come to prayer meeting if you can. But you know partly why the Lord put that on my heart? Why I believe the Lord put it on my heart? I want to start praying for these churches that are having a hard time. That's what they should be doing. And I hope they are. I'm not saying that because they're getting involved in the legal system. I'm not saying that they're not doing that. All I'm saying is do right and pray. Well, I can't do right in their place, but I can pray for them. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that them fellas will just get the guts to just go do the right thing. And when the government comes and starts handing out tickets, I'm praying that God will start killing the government. Just kill all those people that are starting to pass out tickets. Kill the governor. Kill every single one of the... Oh, that's so terrible. God's done it before. Sennacherib came down there and said, Hey, we're going to surround you. God said, Okay. Let them all go to sleep and send an angel. Wiped out 185,000 men in one night. Well, brother, if we go to church, man, God, the, the governor's going to send out the National Guard. What's, a, what's an Abram's tank to the God of eternity? Yeah, right. Amen. Listen, this is our lot as Christians. This is what we do. We don't hide down and hunker down and run from the government. We follow what God told us to follow. We get out and we proclaim the gospel when persecution comes. We get out on our knees and we pray and then we stand up on our feet and we sing. Paul and Silas, I believe it was, they got down there in that jail down at Philippi, Philippians. They got down there in that jail and they prayed until midnight and then Hey, boy, them fellas are starting to sing. And God got in there and grabbed that whole place and said, You said, well, only God, God will only rattle the the cage. God will only take the walls down in the Old Testament, Jericho. He did it in the New Testament. He did it more than once, I remind you. God sent an angel down there to Peter when he was locked up in chains behind several guards put all them guards to sleep, walked in there and broke the chains off of Peter. Peter's sitting there watching this thinking he's dreaming. He said, hey, come on, get up, grabbed him and pulled him up and just started walking. Peter said, where are we going? No answer. Just walked out and he got out in the middle of town and that angel disappeared. You say, God couldn't do that. How do you know? This is our lot, folks. This is not time to let up. This is not time to cower down and find a place and hunker down and hold my soul. The government's coming after us. If the government wants to find you, they're going to find you. You're going to have to implore the God of heaven to protect you. And listen, God, I'd hate to go to jail myself. I've worked in prison before. Just the fact of having to deal with a bunch of immature guards, that'd be tough for me. Amen. Some of them guards ain't got no sense. But I tell you, God can take care of you anywhere you are if you're smack dab doing what he told you to do. It's our lot. It's our lot. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me clarify myself. I don't have a martyr complex. I don't have to feel like I have to be picked on or martyred in order for my service for the Lord to be subsistent. I don't feel that way. But listen, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is gospel conversation. We go out on the streets. We tell people about Christ. We go about our daily business. We tell people about Christ. And we get made fun of. That's who we are. We don't punch people in the mouth. We don't, we don't say something smart to people because they said something smart to us. 
We tell people about the lovely Lamb of God and how He died for their sins and that He rose again the third day to give them eternal life. And when they turn up their nose and when they scoff at us and when they scorn us, we turn around and say, Thank you, Lord, for letting me suffer for your name. You say, That's real tough. I know. You're going to have to get full of the Holy Ghost in order to do that. Amen. 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 That's our lot. It's our lot. Some of you folks have never taken any kind of scorning. You've never taken any kind of scoffing. But I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn to do that if you want to do something for Jesus. Now listen, Lord, help you with that. Got to help you with it. Got to help you with the embarrassment. You say, why? We serve a faithful God. We serve a God that's been there already. He's already done that. Already got the t-shirt, so to speak. That's right. You say, what's the t-shirt? The nail prints in his hands. That, those scars that he's got from when they took that old thorn crown, uh, that crown of thorns and put it on his lovely brow. He's, he's got the marks. If he's done it before, he can help you. Amen. It's expected. Suffering's got to be expected. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, that wonderful Old Testament passage about the, the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. He said, he, he is, not was, he is despised and rejected of men. Why do you think it's going to be any different about you if you do what the Lord tells you to do? It ain't going to be no different. You're going to get the same thing. I, I'm not looking for it. I'm not looking for the scorn. I'm not looking for the shame. But it's coming. And we're going to have to learn to take it. We're going to have to learn to take it. You know why he's despised? Because when the light shows up, men that love darkness hate it. They despise it. When the light shows up, men that are in love with darkness, they abhor it. You ever turn the light on in a room and you got a bunch of cockroaches in there? You know what them cockroaches do? They don't step around and say, hi. They run. You get out and you start telling people about Jesus Christ and they... You can talk about how that their grandpa's a preacher. You can talk about how long the, the church has been there. It's been there for 200 years and my grandpa's been doing this. Don't get squirmy on me now. Listen, you got, you've been sitting down watching TV longer than you've been listening to me preach so far this morning. Amen. Don't squirm on me. Just hear me out. Listen. Amen. 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 Take you some Tylenol next time before you come. That's right. Listen here. Listen here. You can talk about anything. You can talk about anything except, except talking about Jesus Christ. Boy, when you talk about Jesus Christ, just all fall to pieces. What's that all about? Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. A fellow that's engaged in fornication ain't going to be very comfortable when you start talking about the gospel. A fellow that's engaged in drunkenness ain't going to be very comfortable when you're talking about the gospel. Hey, man, I know a God that can give you the power to get victory over that. What, what do I need victory over this for? I like it. I know God's powerful enough to change your likes. Praise the Lord! Well, you're going to get made fun of. Uh, just a bunch of bigots. Just a bunch of narrow-minded fools. That's our lot, folks. Okay, that's me. Lord, I'm sorry my flesh hates this. I'm sorry that I despise this. God, help me with it. Help me to learn to rejoice in the middle of it. Amen. That's our lot. 
The Bible says, I read it to you this morning in Acts chapter 14. He says, we, he said, those fellows went around exhorting those saints at the churches. He said, saying that we through much tribulation must enter into the kingdom of God. You want some joy, do you, this morning? You want some peace? You want some righteousness in your life? How about you get busy for the Lord Jesus Christ spreading the gospel? You say, I'm going to suffer for it. Well, the Bible tells you in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. You know what's the matter? We don't believe that. We don't believe that being made fun of can produce happiness down in our soul. But that's what he says. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. And he tells you why you're going to be happy. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. You remember old Moses got up there on, on the mount. And the Bible said when he got up there and he came down, they said his face shone so much that he had to take a veil and put it over his face. You remember that? I bet, I bet the Lord could take some of your countenances and just put a brightness and a glow about that. Boy, if you'd just get busy telling people for the Lord. I spent a good part of the weekend this weekend, went out, with, uh, out on the streets here on the streets last night, but before that, Friday and Saturday with all this stuff going on, just trying to find people to just say something to about the Lord. And you know what, buddy? I felt about 15 pounds lighter just through the process of all that, man, just enjoyed myself. You say, what is that? That's the spirit, spirit of glory. That's the spirit of glory and of God resting upon you. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 4 in that same verse. He says, on their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. That doesn't say that they believed. It doesn't say that they trusted Christ. It just means that you have been reproached for the name of Christ. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on their part, on your part, he's glorified. Praise the Lord. Still worthy. You're going to have to learn that gospel conversation is suffering. Let me move on. Gospel conversation is boldness. It's boldness. You look in the New Testament church there in the book of Acts, every time those men are filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what shows up right after it? Boldness. They spoke in boldness. They preached with boldness. They proclaimed with boldness, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's gospel conversation. That's gospel conversation. He said... Here in verse 27 of Philippians chapter 1, he said, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And then he gets on down. He says, That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Let me ask you something. What's terrifying you this morning? You got some adversaries that's making you so afraid that you're just about paralyzed. Paul said, Listen, gospel conversation is to where you're nothing terrified by your adversaries. That's a lofty position. That's a lofty position to look at the government and saying, hey, if you're going to open your churches next week, we're going to be down there sending you a fine. And you look at them and say, bring it on. We're going to bring the National Guard and blow up your church. Come on. Let me just, let me just say this. I kind of wonder if somebody tried to light the church on fire because they're mad that we ain't shut the doors during all this virus stuff. You know what I say? Bring it on. We got insurance. <laughs> That's a joke. Don't burn our church down, man. Don't burn my church. Don't burn the church down. But you know what? You burn this thing slapped to the ground. We'll still have church. We got three acres sitting out here. 
They came out here and they started pulling all this stuff. And uh, when this stuff took place Friday night, I believe it was, Brother Chris and Sister Joyce was over at our house. Right when they got there, we sat down to eat and I got the call, hey, church is on fire. On the way over here, I told Brother Chris, I said, I ain't never inviting you over to the house again. <laughs> never. Invite you over, things start burning. There ain't no way. Next week, I'll try Brother Spike. <laughs> I'll get fellowship somewhere, but man, things start burning. That's it. Separating myself. But I got, they got out here, they got out here, and they started, they started taping things off. And I asked uh, McDowell, uh, Sergeant McDowell, I think is his rank, I asked him, I said, listen, I said, are we going to be able to have services in here? They was talking about the fire marshal not getting here on Monday until Monday because the fire marshal that was supposed to come was on vacation. Stupid. Anyways, I'm just kidding. But, man, lighten up, folks. Nonetheless, nonetheless, I asked him, I said, listen, I said, I got a couple of questions. I said, we going to be able to have church in here on Sunday? He said, he said, I don't know. And when he said that, I thought about it, and I said, well, I said, it don't make much difference. I said, we'll be on the property. I'll show up. You can shut the church. You can shut the doors down. You can board them up. I heard one of them fellas out there saying, hey, we'll have to board it up. Board them up. We got a field, buddy. I'll be, I'll be having church out there. I'll take this pulpit, haul it out there. We'll have church. Amen. Amen. You say, you say what you're going to have to have? Boldness. You're going to have to have some boldness. You know what's wrong with some of you folks? You yellow. You just chicken livered, buddy. Somebody just open their mouth and say something a little bit cross to you. How come he being so mean to me? I'm trying to put a little bit of grit in your soul this morning. Amen. Amen. You need some boldness this morning. You need some boldness. You're going to have to grow up in nothing terrified by your adversaries. He said, you know what? He said in verse 20, 28, he said, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them, to your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. He said, that boldness that you show towards your adversaries, he said, that is to those adversaries. It's a token. It's something that you have. That's a token. He said, that's something that they have that shows. He said, that's a token of perdition. You know what that is? This is not my marriage. That's a picture of my, it's a, it's a symbol that relates to my marriage. You know what that boldness is? That's a symbol that relates to them folks of something that's going to come. You say, what are you talking about? Go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians verse 5, he says, which is a manifest token of the righteousness of, uh, righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Well, there's suffering that shows up again, but they ain't lost their boldness. He said, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Here's some folks, church at Thessalonica, they're out trying to spread the gospel. Boy, I can't contain myself this morning. They're out spreading the gospel, and people are giving them a hard time. You know what the church at Thessalonica is doing? They're going on harder. They're going on more. And in the meantime, they're praying. And you know what God's doing? God's reaching down and grabbing all those adversaries up by the scruff of the neck and troubling their hearts. Hey, listen. Listen, let me ask you something this morning. If, you so con if you're so con secure 
in what you're doing and what it's right, why would you be troubled at what somebody else is doing to, to challenge it? Think about that for a second. Well, listen, if you've got a bunch of government doofuses that are concerned about a bunch of churches getting together and just meeting peaceably, what are they so concerned about? They're scared. Something's up. The God of this world's whispering in their ears, hey, don't you let them churches get back together. Don't you let them churches get back together. So you know what you do? You get out on your knees and you pray. Say, God, God, rattle their cages. Lord, if they're going to burn the church down, I pray that you'd burn the state capitol down. Burn it right to the ground. Of course, they do that and they probably raise your taxes. Pray, pray. God, if this fellow's going to give these Christians a hard time, kill him. Get him out of the way. You say, well, I think we should pray that the Lord would save them. Do something. Pray. More than what you're doing right now, which is just worrying. Amen. Amen. He said, to you which are troubled, rest with us. He said, verse 6, he said, seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Listen. The boldness that we have as Christian right now, that's a token of something that is to come. You say, what's to come? The second advent when God comes himself and burns the whole world to the ground. Hey, why is it that you Christians ain't afraid of the government? Because our God is coming back one day to just take over the whole world. What do we got to be afraid of? Well, we're going to kill you. So, I'm coming back with him. That's gospel conversation. That's gospel conversation. I get, I get tired. Hang with me. I'll let you go here in a second. I get tired of Christians rolling over on this virus thing. I'm tired of Christians. Listen, listen, please. If you've got something to say about how we should obey the laws of man and therefore shouldn't have church, please shut up. Just shut your mouth. You say, give me a verse for that. You find one. Find a verse against it. Come talk to me. I think we should just obey the laws of man. The Bible tells us we've got to obey the laws of the land. Sure, but it also says in the passage where you're pulling that from where it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. That passage that you're talking about, it says rulers are a terror to good work or not are not a terror to good works. Lump it. All you're looking for is an excuse to save face because you're a coward. Let me be clear. Some of you older, older folks in here got masks on. I understand. This virus is not something to play with. It's not something to play with. But I'm talking about some of you folks looking for an excuse to lay out of church. Here and at home, you're looking for an excuse to just lay down your arms and not be obedient to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and propagating it. And so you're using this virus as a crutch. There ain't no rule that's been come out from your government that's told you you can't spread the gospel. Has there? Have you been spreading it? Well, you know, people just won't take no tracks. How come you can't open your cotton-picking mouth? 
I, I ain't tried to pass out no tracks because I, I went to a fellow out here at Flash Foods and told him, hey, man, I'd like to give you an invitation to church, but I, considering this virus thing, I don't want to give you nothing. But I said, I tell you, I'm pastor down here at People's Baptist Church. You ever been saved? What's wrong with that? Nothing. I, said, I did that maintaining six feet of distance. Had to talk a little louder. You looking for an excuse to lay down your arms. Hey, polish up your sword, folks. Let's get back in the fight. Let's get in the fight. Let's get in the fight. Such becometh conversation. Your conversation becometh the gospel. And then let me say this, last and finally, praise the Lord on your behalf. Last and finally, you know how that, that gospel conversation translates? It translates in service. Look at what he says. For unto you it's given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. They're suffering. He said, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Chapter 2. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. And you know what he does? He goes through the rest of the chapter and he gives you three examples of men that served. The first and chief being Jesus Christ. High position, the Lord of glory, humbled himself, became a man, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hey, listen, you know what your gospel conversation is this morning, ma'am? You know what your gospel conversation is this morning, sir? It's service. What you doing? You say, well, I serve God in my own little way. No, you don't. I, that fellow that I witnessed to yesterday, he said he was saved. A fellow came up here yesterday and said he was raised in the Pentecostal church. I, I said, that's great. You saved? He said, yeah, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I said, you know for sure you're saved. And then he started talking about Acts 2.38. Listen, if you trust in Acts 2.38 to get you to heaven, you go on to hell. That's called water baptism. It's called baptismal regeneration. You trusting in baptism to get you to heaven, you're not going to heaven. You've got to go by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less. What Christ did for me, that's what I'm trusting. If you ain't going that way, you ain't going. That's right. And so I was talking to that fella, and I was saying, I said, well, do you go to church anywhere? He said, he said well, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst. And he said, we, he said, we have church down at my house. I said, that ain't the same. He said, well, what? And he started getting real defensive about like some of you folks are getting defensive this morning thinking that because you're at home listening to a preacher preach down at the church house, I'm going to church, not when you should have been here. Hey, listen, I'm telling you some, of you, some of these older folks that are in here this morning with these masks on, some of these older folks, buddy, that's, that's accountability for you younger folks that should be here. Amen. That's, that's condemnation on your part. If these folks have come out to the house of God and risk it, and you're too sorry to come out to the house of God and risk it, you do what you want to. Your conscience, you help yourself. All I'm telling you is you've been witnessed to by CNN and MSNBC and ABC. That's why your conscience is in the shape that it's in. Seared. Amen. Amen. Probably fornicating in the background too. Probably sipping on a little booze. 
You reprobate. You better get back down to the house of God. You better get down to the house of God. But listen here. What's your service like for the Lord Jesus Christ? It becometh the gospel. You say, you say what, what's that gospel conversation? Service. You've got the greatest example of service anywhere. Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He's the leader of those apostles, those disciples. And the Bible said there in that last moment where right before he got crucified, he took off his garments and he girded himself with a towel and he got down and he started washing the disciples' feet. You know what that is? That's not the position of a master. That's a position of a servant. And he said, hey, he said, I've got around and I've washed your feet. He said, as your master, he said, you need to be doing the same thing. He said, you need to be washing each other's feet. Can I ask you something? Don't nobody come in here with a basin of water tonight. Don't you wash my feet. We ain't having no foot washing services around here. You say, why? We're not Church of Christ and we're not Seventh-day Adventists. Not interested. I know some of you primitive Baptists probably do that stuff. Help yourself, not me. I don't want you seeing the lint I got on my toes. Amen. Anyways, I just lost the crowd right there. I don't know. I told you not to have any foot washing service. I was doing you a favor. Man, trying to save you from smelling somebody's toe cheese. Okay, I got some of you to wake up there. Don't get, don't get upset about that, man. Don't be so thin-skinned. But anyways, listen here. He said, let me ask you something. Christian, when's the last time you've washed somebody else's feet? You can't get their sins forgiven for them. You can't go to God and confess their sins on their behalf. But when's the last time you got down and said, Hey, let me, let me, let's talk about the Bible. Let me show you what the Lord's been showing me. Let me, hey, let's go serve God together. Let's go witness to somebody together. Hey, old so-and-so needs to be visited. Why don't you come and go with me? When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you went to a meeting somewhere together? You say, what you doing? Trying to wash each other's feet. You say, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to serve you. That's what your lovely Lord Jesus did. That's gospel conversation, folks. That's what the church is supposed to be. You say, Brother Nathan, we want an opportunity to get together in fellowship. Okay, how about let's go witness? How about let's come down to the church house and work on the church building a little bit? How about let's get together and let's pray? I'm not, I'm not against eating I'm not against eating. I'm not against having little parties and little get-togethers. But what about just following the lovely Lord Jesus? Look here, Timothy. I know, I know you, you, your rear end's about soaked up all you can soak up. Give me just a couple minutes. One of them's Timotheus, Timothy. Timothy, he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. You know what your service translates into? Paul the Apostle grabbed Timothy and trained him and discipled him. Who are you training? Who are you discipling? You said, Brother Nathan, there ain't nobody to disciple around here. Why? You know, what the tragic, you know what the tragedy of People's Baptist Church is? If we don't do something about the shape that we're in as a church, one day we're going to wake up and the only folks that are going to be here are people that are in their 70s. 
God help us. You say, Brother Nathan, we're doing everything we can. Are we? I take responsibility for it myself. I don't, want, I don't want the church to die, any church. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He said, all seek their own, not the things that are Christ. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get some of you folks to think like I do. Say, oh, no, you should be trying to get them to think like Christ. Well, I hope, as a pastor, I've got enough sense to think like Christ myself. And so I'm trying to get you to see things the way that I do. Do you think enough the way that Christ thinks so that you can look at somebody and say, you need to think like me? That's what Paul said. He said, I don't have anybody else that's so like-minded like me as Timothy. Where's our Timothys? The gospel, listen, the gospel will never die, but churches could die, local assemblies could die. And then Epaphroditus he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard ye, that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick unto death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but, also, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. He said, listen, he said, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his, his life to supply your lack of service toward me. You know what was said of Epaphroditus? He said, because I was separated from the church down there at Philippi, he said, I got Epaphroditus and Epaphroditus made up your lack of service. Everything that the church at Philippi would have done for me if I was around y'all, Epaphroditus did it all. Could that be said about you? We're going to grab one of you fellows and send you off with Brother Mark McGahee. And Brother Mark right back to the church at People's Baptist Church and say, this boy, this lady has been such a blessing to me that everything that the church at Folkestone, Georgia would have done for me, this fellow's done it. He made up for your lack of service toward me. That's gospel conversation. Lord, what can I do to help? God, what can I do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can start opening your mouth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, I encourage you to come. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us. God, we thank you, Lord, for how gracious you are to us.